They're gossip slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Listen to this. Though they know God's righteous degree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Now, what is this an explanation of? This is Romans chapter 1. I started reading in verse 26. 20, yeah, 26. In verse 18, it says this. For this is the wrath of God. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying. What the Rolling Stones have been singing forever now, because they're really old. We're under the wrath of God. It's what the wrath of God looks like in a society. I can't get no. I can't get no. No, I can't get no satisfaction. God did not design you to be a gland or a feeling to try to find your satisfaction in something in this world. It will never work. But you hear me. Here's what's scary. You stay after it, and he'll give it to you. And he'll let you drink from that fountain. Now, the Bible offers something entirely different. This is the grace of God. That's what Romans is about. It starts with this incredible view of the wrath of God, and then the rest of the book is about the grace of God. So the grace of God is that he will give you satisfaction. Verse 5, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. First thing I want you to see is that the satisfied soul has enough. He says, my soul will be satisfied. The New American Standard translates it this way, my soul is satisfied. The reason they're having a hard time deciding which way to say this exactly is because in the original language, it's in the active imperfect. You say, I don't really care about that. It, let, me, let me explain it just a second. That means that this being satisfied is something that is happening in an unfolding way. So it's not a one-time thing, or it's not something that's only going to happen out there. So will be, it makes it sound like it's something's going to be out there. Is almost makes it sound like it's something that's right now. It's both. My soul is satisfied. My soul will be satisfied. John 4, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So when, when Jesus says that this, this spring of water is going to well up in you in eternal life, when, when David says, My soul is satisfied, Here's what you don't need to think in terms of satisfaction as it relates. There's this eating and drinking metaphor going on here. You don't need to think like Thanksgiving meal where you eat and go into a food coma. You just, or Celeste and I are about to go on our first cruise and I understand it's like just insane food. 
It's not, it's not like being on a cruise and just eating and eating and eating and eating. Here's, the, here's what he means. It's the difference between having enough to be well-fed and going hungry. So being satisfied is having enough to eat. Most of us don't, don't have any concept of what that even means because we've been well-fed our whole life. It doesn't mean anything until you get to that moment where you're not or you have to do without to understand it. So my soul has enough, is what he's saying. So that begs a question here. Where am I seeking satisfaction? So uh, Lay's Potato Chips used to have a commercial. I don't know if you, you know, do you know, do you know what the, the tagline was? You can't, you can't eat just one. That is, the, that is the truth, isn't it? And we're talking about the yellow bag. And some of those other bags, you're like, I don't know about that sour cheddar and bacon and, you know, whatever. But that yellow bag, even if you're not really in the potato chips, you cannot eat one of those. Now, there's a couple of reasons why. They're doing so many different things in your taste buds that they know they got you. That, that when you eat one, but you could sit down and eat a whole bag, the yellow bag, and still be hungry. Like, absolutely no satisfaction because they just dissolve into nothing. I mean, there's just hardly anything there. It's just a bag full of air with some, some chips in there, and it's not designed to satisfy you. Now, it can curb your appetite a little bit, but there's no satisfaction with it. Now, here, here's what we're doing. We, we are, we are we're grabbing hold of things in the world that we're looking to do what only God can do. And, and we're trying to satisfy ourselves with them or eat them, and, and they taste good, and, and there's some enjoyment with it. But the more you eat, the more you want to eat, but, but there's nothing satisfying happening with it. So let me, let me clear something up for some of you. If you'll listen to what I say here, Christianity could take on a completely different light for you. There are some things that God has clearly said, that's evil and that's wrong. Stay away from that. Don't. Most things fall in this category. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Now listen to this principle. God has given you good gifts to enjoy. God has given you good gifts to enjoy. Now listen. But only He can satisfy. His good gifts will never satisfy you. He never intended for His gifts to you to replace Him. So His good gifts are meant for you to enjoy. And I think some Christians are having a hard time with this. Of being able to just enjoy things. Like I've had pastors say to me, Well, I just feel guilty when I go on vacation. Why? Why are you guilty? Why well, there's just so much to do? There's so much ministry to be done. Well, if you go on vacation and sleep, you might be in a better mood. You might like people better. You might be a better pastor if you did. But we play these games with ourselves that like we can't enjoy anything as Christians. Um, you know, everybody's scared to death to eat. I'll go back to my cruise illustration. I'm going to eat everything I want on that cruise. 
If I have to buy new pants when I get back, that'll be fine. Okay? I'm going to go enjoy it. Now, I don't plan to eat like that when I get back. That would be foolish. Now something, a good gift, is owning me. It's owning my life. It's taken over. And that's when it becomes a problem. So good gifts are meant to enjoy, but God himself is the only one who can satisfy. Psalm 36. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. St. Augustine said this way, You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. I'm sorry that didn't get in the book. My fault. I didn't edit well enough. You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Because only God can satisfy you. So my, satis- my soul is satisfied, or the satisfied soul has enough, because satisfaction is from the choicest part. My soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food. Now, I, I thought I understood this until I was watching National Geographic, a show about lions. Now, this is a weird moment to understand the Bible, but it was one of those moments. So the lions were hunting a zebra, and they finally took the zebra down, and you know you've got that calm man in the background who's describing what's happening to you. So, like, you know, the big lion with the big mane, he does nothing. He just watches. You know who does all the work in a lion pride? The females, yeah. The females do all the work, but... When the, when the zebra hits the ground and somebody puts the death hold on the neck, the first dude out is Big Daddy. And everybody gets out of his way, and he goes one place to eat. He goes right here to this back hip. And the guy was describing there's two things going on in the back hip. That is where the most protein is back in this back area, but he's going for this joint right here, this big hip joint. Because in it is the richest part. This is where the most protein. And for him to hold his place of dominance, he needs to eat that right there. That's what the Bible means right here. That God is giving you the richest, the fattest, the most significant, healthy part for you, and that is himself. He is satisfying us with himself. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So we take our saving refuge in the Lord because he is good. And we taste of the things of God. And when we taste of the things of God and we see that the Lord is good, we long for more. This is his grace toward us. It's not just his grace that saves us. It is his grace that continues to feed us upon himself that we continue to be satisfied with the richest parts who is himself. So turn the page. Am I sacrificing lasting satisfaction for temporary satisfaction? 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. See to it that no one else, no one fails to obtain the grace of God, and no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. Now watch the parallel. So, so, so you see the tide of sexual immorality here? And no one's sexual immoral or unholy like Esau. And if you, if you stopped right there, you're thinking, what sexually immoral thing did Esau do? And watch the story. Who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. So the story of Jacob and Esau, Esau makes an impulsive decision and decides to trade his birthright to his brother Jacob for a pot of soup. Now, what's the Bible saying to you? This is pretty easy math. You can trade your satisfaction in God for a sexual encounter. This is both now. I used to just talk to the boys. There are so many of you who are trading your satisfaction in God for pornography. It's sucking the life out of you. It's thrilling for a moment. In the moment, it seems like the right thing to do. Seems like the best thing to do. It seems like the most exciting thing to do. But slowly, it's sucking the life out of you. There are a lot of things we could appeal to you and talk to you about pornography, about how it's going to affect your life. And it's myriad effects. But the greatest effect is it's robbing your satisfaction in God. It's a dangerous thing to do. Deuteronomy 29, beware lest there be among you a man or a woman or a clan or a tribe whose heart is turning away from the Lord our God to go and serve the God of those nations. Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. Notice this root of bitterness in both of these texts. That, that, that we're getting a hold of something that is dangerous and harmful to us. Ultimately, here's what he's saying. Don't miss the grace of God. We need to see it and receive it and feast on it as God graciously gives it to us. Now, when he does that, when God gives his grace to us, then this satisfaction must be expressed. He says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. So what this gets to with joyful lips is triumphant singing or, or, or shouting. And, and y'all have moved to that a couple of times this week, where, you, where you've come to this joyful lips singing, this triumphant singing that, 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 that's, uh, that's clear. Now, it comes from 
this satisfaction first. So the satisfaction comes, then the joyful triumph comes. So not that these things are satisfying, but when, when, when the kids were little, uh, at Christmas, we had tradition uh, from after Thanksgiving till, till uh, the day after Christmas, almost every night, we put the pajamas on the kids. This was when life was simple at our house. Put the pajamas on the kids, and we go ride through McCaddenville. All right? Celeste and I still do it almost every night. We've seen it thousands of times. We just do it. But once in a while, we'd come up to Franklin, and I'd turn left. You could hear them in the back. We're, we're going to Krispy Kreme. We're going to Krispy Kreme. We'd pull up the Krispy Kreme. She'd hand that hot box out there, and the kids are in the back. Yes! They got the, they got the white stuff down their pajamas and on their faces, and they're riding through McCaddenville hyped up on sugar, and they're singing Christmas carols and having a great time. All right, this is the image. Image. I, I, I hate to press it too far because God's not a Krispy Kreme donut. But, <laughs> but there, are, there ought to just be joyful evidence on us that we're feasting and that God is our greatest delight. And there ought to be joy coming out of us and joyful times. So, so I ask this question, am I expressing satisfaction? Now, here's where I messed up again. I want you to turn to page 41. Page 41. I'm going to come back to page 29 in a second. Page 41. This is C.S. Lewis from his book, The Reflections on the Psalm. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses. Readers their favorite poets. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. Praise of the weather, wine, dishes, actors, motors, Horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles. He was a nerd. Even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time balanced and capacious minds praised most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Now get this. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't that glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmist, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. It's not our compliment. It's... It is not of our compliment that lovers keep tell on telling one another how beautiful they are. Don't miss this thought. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. All right. Some of you have already had the big moment in a relationship. I'm not talking about sex here. Just chill. Some of you are waiting for the big moment. When you, my wife is here. I'm going to use you, Madison. When you go, I, I love you. <laughs> it's not just saying it. Get this. You'll connect at the level of the heart here. It's not just saying it. What's in here is not complete until you do. It's the completion 
of what's inside. So what Lewis is saying, when your soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, the joy is incomplete until the joyful lips praise God. Until the saved soul confesses it's saved. That's why we have a confessional faith. We confess, we profess that we're Christians. Because it's incomplete if we hide it. The satisfaction we have found in Christ is completed when we say it. So if this week God has saved your soul, tonight while you're in your small group, I want you to complete that satisfaction by telling the members of your group what God has done. That God has saved you. Or if you've never publicly admitted and said that God has saved you. Even though it was months or year, a year or so ago or two years, whatever, I want to encourage you tonight to share that. It will come with joy and bring joy. Now, this is what God's people do every time they get together. When they get together, they make the satisfaction complete. And it's so much more joyful when we do it together. This is God's design. So let's complete our satisfaction yet again by singing unto the Lord. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us from your word. Now I pray that we would express our satisfaction, that we would do what your word commands, and that we would do it with joy. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand. I want to read this passage and then we'll sing. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory.